Welcome to Thoughts from Home, your conservation podcast from the National Conservation Training Center. We're located along the Potomac River in historic Shepherdstown, West Virginia, and are home to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Throughout this series, we'll be talking with experts, authors, and a variety of other guests to bring you the most up-to-date information, events, and happenings here at the National Conservation Training Center. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. My name is Katherine Woodward, and I'm a biologist at the National Conservation Training Center. Today's podcast is all about cicadas. Joined with me today is my colleague, Jim Siegel, who is an ecology curriculum manager at the NCTC, administering courses on a variety of subjects ranging from conservation biology to forest ecology. He has worked for the Fish and Wildlife Service for almost two decades. He lives right here in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, and he's a native of suburban Roslyn, New York, about 25 miles east of New York City. Jim has been turning over rocks looking for bugs for over 60 years and has really enjoyed studying the emergence of brood tin, the great eastern brood of periodical cicadas, over the last two and a half weeks in the eastern panhandle. Jim, thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be with you, Catherine. So, first of all, like where is the emergence taking place? This great eastern brood is emerging from New York to Georgia and from the East Coast, Michigan, and that's 15 states and Washington, D.C., and it's really the largest brood of cicadas that's hatching out in the United States, and it's over one million of them per acre. So it's, it's it really is an amazing spectacle. How many total do you think there are? Well, it's estimated, like I said, about a million of them per acre, and billions if not trillions of cicadas are hatching out right now all across the eastern seaboard. Yeah, I've seen so many in the trees and at the base of the trees, all the exoskeletons. Um, so Jim, what role do they play in the ecosystem? What is the purpose of cicadas? Yeah. These cicadas are very specialized herbivores feeding on the xylem sap of the roots of mature deciduous trees. In this case, they're feeding on them for 17 years underground. And so once they emerge, they feed a multitude of animals from large spiders and ants to all the small animals like moles, squirrels, and chipmunks, many of the kinds of songbirds that can manage to swallow a insect that's about an inch long and then all the larger mammals, such as opossums, raccoons, foxes, skunks, feeding a multitude of animals. Their larval holes aerate the soil, and their exoskeletons, the larval exoskeletons, and the carcasses at their death, because the adults only live for four to six weeks, that will fertilize the top layer of soil in the forest with nitrogen and with phosphorus, and so this emergence is really one of the greatest uh, wildlife spectacles on earth. So what about like an evolution standpoint? Yeah, I think, I think one way of looking at cicadas is through an evolutionary lens. They've evolved with deciduous trees for millions of years. And so I, I think of 2021 
is just one more year in, in this cycle that's been going on for millions of years. Each of those forest trees has hundreds of larval cicadas sucking on their roots for 17 years, and then it starts all over again. And the cicadas are kind of part of the background noise of the lives of these trees. The, the sheer number of cicadas, if there really is a, a million of them per acre, it dwarfs the mass of any other forest animal by orders of magnitude. If there really is a million of them per acre, that's over a ton of cicadas per acre in the forest. It's really an amazing number. Yeah, that is huge. Quite the phenomenon. Since there's so many, like, and they're going to be around for most of the summer, do they bite or sting? Uh, will they hurt people or plants and stuff? Yeah, a lot of people are really terrified of them. This is not a pestilence that needs to be feared. They don't generally bite and they don't sting. They just make a loud buzzing sound and they typically, they'll fly away if approached. Um, you mentioned before that, they, that sometimes they mistake a person for a tree, but <laughs> when they land on you, they're not trying to harm you in any way. Their only really defense is to make a startling buzzing sound and, and that really is their only defense. There is some level of safety in numbers, but you can see that many millions of them die in the stampede. You know, they crawl over one another. Many of them get eaten by predators. A lot of them just fall in the street and get hit by cars and people walking. It really is quite a, a slaughter out there, but there's so many millions of them that they definitely will successfully breed, mate, lay eggs, and start the whole cycle all over again. People don't have to worry about them. As someone who likes to turn over rocks and has been doing that for years, do you like go and pick the cicadas up and look at them? Or um, Yeah, I've been locally see? at Shepherd University, which has a lot of mature trees. I've been walking around there every day, sometimes morning in the late afternoon just to kind of look at the species. And so what I've noticed is that this Eastern brood is three different species of very closely related cicadas. These are all magi cicadas, which means wonderful, you know, magical cicadas in, in Latin. And there are three species. There's the biggest one is the Septemdesons, and they have a lot of orange on their belly. They're the largest. The okay. smallest ones are Cassinis, which are all dark underneath. And then there's a, a rarer species, which was Septemdeculas, which look a lot like the Cassinis, but they're uh, a, a little bit different. They have a little orange on them. So it's three species making up this great eastern brood. Wow. So I've heard some people say every year you can hear cicadas. These three species we're seeing this year other years, do we see different species of cicadas? Yeah. By the way, these periodical cicadas, our, the eastern brood is a 17-year cicadas. In the south, there's also 13-year cicadas. So there's 13-year cicadas and 17-year cicadas. And what it is, is it's about six species of, of these magi cicadas. But there's lots of other cicadas that come out each year. Those are called annual cicadas. And those are bigger, much, much bigger 
than these periodical cicadas, and they stay underground for two years, and then they hatch, hatch out, and they're much bigger. They're about two inches in size. There's sometimes some of them are green, some of them are gray. There's a number of different colors than kind of black and orange and much, much larger. And those are called annual cicadas because they come out each year. Very cool. You mentioned like some orange or black underbellies. Do most of the cicadas for this year or this brood, do they all have like red eyes? What do they look like? Yes, all of these three species of these um, magi cicadas have red eyes. By the way, they have they have five eyes. They have two compound eyes and wow. three simple eyes. And the three simple eyes are on their forehead. And, and sometimes they're reddish and, and brownish as well. So all of them of these three species have orange veined wings, kind of dark bodies, particularly blacks and some orange underneath. The eyes are red and they're all, they all look very much alike. Yeah, I've seen some in the forest going on little nature walks, and they're really interesting bugs. Speaking about buzzing, the really loud sound we're going to be hearing, what's the mechanism that the males use to make this sound? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. The males are the only animals in this group that make the sound. And they have a, a membrane on their abdomens called timbals on each side of their abdomen which vibrate to produce the sound. And this sound is one of the loudest insect sounds in nature. It's almost 100 decibels, which is about the sound of a lawnmower. I've seen people put up, putting up a gauge, and it's not uncommon to them to reach 80 to 90 decibels. The males sing together in a chorus so that it really you know, magnifies the sound. And the female is listening. And if she likes the quality of the song, she will motion with her wings to indicate that she's receptive for mating. And the male will fly over and they will mate and they stay attached for a little bit. And, and so it's very romantic. You know, the best singer gets <laughs> to mate. The female will mate only once. The male may also mate more than once, but typically once as well. Or how many eggs does the female lay? Yeah, the female lays 20 eggs at a time in little slits that she makes on thin twigs of deciduous trees. She can lay up to between 400 and 600 eggs after just that single mating. So you can see why there are billions of these animals because each female is laying up to 600 eggs. So I've seen some folks put netting around their like newly planted trees in their yard. Do cicadas harm the plants? You mentioned the eggs go in yeah. slits trees. Generally mature trees do not suffer much damage from these little slits where the eggs are laid. But you can imagine where small trees on lawns and in an apple orchard or something like that may get some damage that might be, you know, might be significant. So that's why people are putting that netting on the trees to prevent the small trees from having any damage. Generally, the mature trees suffer a little bit of pruning 
of this egg pruning, but it, but generally it's a pretty benign impact on the forest. So like when the eggs are in the trees, how do they get back into the ground for the next yeah. you know, cycle? After about six to 10 weeks, the eggs will hatch and they're a tiny little larva and they may feed a little bit on the sap where they were laid in the slit that they hatched from. After drinking a tiny bit of sap, they may they will fall straight to the ground and they may feed on the sap of some grasses and then they will burrow into the ground and attach to the root of a mature deciduous tree and suck on that root for 17 years. And they will grow very slowly. The sap isn't very nutritious. It's very thin, but it has all the calories, all the protein, all the vitamins and minerals. But it does mean over 17 years or sometimes 13 years that they grow very, very slowly. They, they shed their skins five different times to reach adult size. And then they'll tunnel to the surface. They will climb up a tree and split out of their larval skin. And that will reveal a winged adult who can fly, the males can sing, they can mate and start the whole process all over again. Well, thank you, Jim, for sharing with us on this fascinating wildlife phenomenon. So these bugs aren't to be feared. And um, please take a chance to witness a remarkable natural event. Don't miss sharing this with your family. So remember, you'll be 17 years older the next time this happens. Thank you for listening to the National Conservation Training Center podcast series. If you have feedback, thoughts, or stories you'd like to share, contact us at nctc underscore podcast at fws.gov.